Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing in your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. I know, investing can feel intimidating. Often, we don't know where to start. And maybe you think you need a lot of money to start investing. Or you end up putting it off because it doesn't seem urgent. And your life is so busy, so you don't have time to research or manage investments, but saving and investing can be easy with Acorns. Head to acorns.com beyond or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Paid non-client endorsement may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com beyond. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities, LLC. Member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Hello and welcome to Beyond the To-Do List, the podcast where we talk about personal productivity perspectives. And boy, do I have a great interview for you today. We've got some great personal productivity perspectives from none other than Michael Hyatt. Yes, that Michael Hyatt. You don't know who he is? Well, check out michaelhyatt.com, then come right back here and listen to the episode. I guarantee you will subscribe to his podcast, This Is Your Life as well as his blog. Now, that said, I've been following his stuff for, for years now and was fortunate enough to cross paths with him online and then eventually meet in person in June of 2012 at Blog World New York City. And he was gracious enough when I reached out to him to see if he'd do a podcast interview for the show. Anyway, if you're not familiar with Michael, you will be after this episode. And if you are, then you know what to expect and that this is going to be a great interview. In fact, we were able to, with the one half hour he was able to give me, get so much great content that we almost need to do another whole half hour and touch on absolutely completely different topics. But that's beside the point. Right now, sit back and relax and enjoy this interview with Michael Hyatt. Well, it's my privilege to be able to welcome Michael Hyatt to the show. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Great to be with you. Yeah, no problem. Um, I just want to say, again, if you've not checked out michaelhyatt.com, that is one of the top blogs that I read for sure. And I know a lot of other people that do as well. So one of your key topics is productivity. And first off, I want to start by asking you the starting question that I usually ask everyone else, which is, in an ideal world, how would you start your day? Well, my ideal day would start with me, and actually I just re-engineered this, though, so this is how I've been doing it. I'm on day 20 of doing it this way. But basically what I do is I take 15 minutes and I do nothing. I literally do nothing. I put on just kind of some soft music. And I just try to quiet my mind and I just want to get still. And so I do that for 15 minutes. I literally set a timer. When that goes off, then I pray. 
and I pray for about 15 minutes. Then I read the Bible for about another 15 minutes. And then, and this has been really, really fun and revolutionary for me, is I've started journaling and I'm journaling into an application called Day One, which I love. It's only about five bucks on uh, the App Store for Mac. But so I, I write for uh, probably 15 or 20 minutes, usually about 500 to 750 words. And I'm not writing for an audience. I'm just writing for me. So then uh, how do you transition from that, say, into your so-called workday if you have scheduled plans? Yeah, well, what I do from there is, and I get up at five in the morning, I go, I go from there to exercise and I exercise for a solid hour. Uh, sometimes it'll be 45 minutes if I've got, you know, a tight schedule or something, but generally an hour and I'll either run or bike or do some uh, strength training. But uh, while I'm doing that, I'm listening to usually an audio book or maybe a podcast, you know, something that gives my mind something to kind of think on. And, and, and generally about 30 minutes into that, I'll turn off whatever I'm listening to and just think. And that's when I'm usually pulling together my blog posts or any other writing assignments. I'm just thinking and kind of getting the outline for it and putting it together. Then I come back and I'll shower. And actually, I don't shower first. I uh, do my social media stuff then. Okay. Trying to cool down, you know, dry off. So I'll, um, you know, load up Twitter for the day using Buffer. Uh, check my Facebook, you know, check the comments on my blog and all that. Then I'll take a shower and then I'm into my day. So by that time, I'm usually at my desk at about 8.30. It sounds very similar to another person that I interviewed, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft. Ah, so, uh, good. And something you have in common with him, often usage of the you, the word margin. What does that word mean to you? And and what steps do you take to create margin in your life? I'll tell you, this has become the most important word in my vo vocabulary this year because I virtually lost all of my margin earlier this spring because I way overcommitted. You know, I used to be uh, a sitting CEO, CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers up until April of 2011. And that was a pretty busy, demanding job. And I was trying to blog and do everything else at the same time. Well, I stepped out of that to really pursue my dream of writing and speaking full time. And I thought, you know, this is great. It's been a high pressure situation. Now it'll be a little bit more what I want to do and a little more relaxed. Wrong. It, it's been more demanding than any time in my life, but largely self-inflicted stress. Uh, just, you know, committing myself to more things than I could really do. So what I started to do about two months ago was get very proactive about trying to fight back, get my margin back. And that involved, first of all, calendar triage, just going into my calendar and saying, okay, what have I committed to that I can possibly get out of? You know, it's very important to me to keep my word. So I don't want to try to get out of something that I can't get out of. But if there's things that can be canceled, let's do that. Then I constructed kind of my ideal week, how I wanted it to work, which we can talk about if you want. But basically, I, I just tried to, to begin with the end in mind and design a week that had margin. So I had time to write, had time to create, had time to meet with people, and most of all, had time for my family and just time for reflection. So, you know, I'm pleased to report that that has worked great. And I'm, I'm just in a great place right now with a lot of margin. Awesome. So then speaking of all the speaking engagements and the book coming out and all of that, a lot of people know you not just for your blog, but for this new book, Platform. And you and your wife, you're now empty nesters. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. I want to ask this question of you regarding Platform for all the people that are not empty nesters. They've got a full-time job. They've got also a full-time family on as well. And how do they find time or how would you prescribe they find time to build that platform? Well, I'll tell you, I, this is why I love 
having built the bulk of my platform when I was a sitting CEO. And I mean, I don't know of a more demanding job I ever had in my life. It was, you know, from the time I got to the office, which I got to the office about 8.30 then till six at night when I was determined to leave the office, every aspect of my day was scripted. So I couldn't write during the daytime. I had to write on my own time, just like, you know, millions of other people who are trying to build their platform. And for me, at least, Eric, it just, it came down to two things. One, intention, you know, having the intention that I was going to build a platform. And then secondly, uh, scheduling into my calendar commitments with myself to work on my platform. I've learned over the years that what gets calendared or what gets scheduled is what gets done. So I, I think that's the story of anybody who's trying to be an artist, build a platform, build a small business. You pretty much have to do it on your own time. And the people that are willing to do that can be successful. Those that aren't willing and are going to use their job or their busy life as an excuse just aren't. And, and maybe given people stationed in life, that's, that's the best choice. I don't know. They only, only they can make that choice for them. But for me, it meant uh, working a lot of extra hours. Okay. Stepping back from that whole empty nest stage of life, was there any productivity lessons that you think maybe – need to be taught again or be taught more often to your kids as they are growing up in your household? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think one of the, so many things come to mind, but one thing is having a hard stop to appointments and meetings in your day. And I figured this out after I, uh, actually before I became the CEO of Thomas Nelson, and that is that I was going to have a hard stop to the, to the day and I was going to leave the office at 6 p.m., no matter what. And I know guys that make, you know, an earlier time than that, guys that make a later time. But the reality is that work is going to expand for the to the time allotted for it. So, you know, if you've got sort of a day that doesn't have a hard stop, you can pretty much work through the evening and probably work till midnight. So for me, that was a huge thing. Having a hard stop, having boundaries on my appointments and on my day so that I could make time for what matters most. And that's my family. Great. And now talking a little bit, I know that you, you've had a whole episode on your podcast, This Is Your Life, about the whole work balance, work-life balance, I should say, yeah. as people mostly refer to it as. And I guess what would you say to somebody who, again, is trying to – they want to do that platform, but they, they've got that – they're already struggling with a work-life balance. Well, I would say the first place you've got to begin is you've got to articulate your priorities. You know, maybe this isn't the time for you to build a platform. I probably shouldn't say that because I'm trying to sell it, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it may not be the best time for you. I mean, I, there was a time when we had five daughters under the age of 10. That would not have been a good time for us to start, for me to start working on a platform because it was all hands on deck, just trying to keep the family functioning, me making a living, all of it moving forward. So once you know, you've determined that this is a time that you want to build a platform, I would say articulate your priorities and make sure that you're not sacrificing something that's more important than a platform for something that's less important. And so for me, you know, this is just happens to be me. My relationship with God is going to come first. Number two, I'm going to come second. And that sounds maybe strange to people, mm-hmm. but I found that if I don't take care of myself, if I'm not rested, if I'm not taking care of my health, if I'm not emotionally, you know, kind of in shape, I'm not available to help anybody else. You know, I'm too wrapped up in my own problems. So I really try to give attention to that, you know, personal development, exercise, that kind of stuff. And then beyond that, and obviously your career, your job, then you can talk about where does a platform fit in? Maybe it fits in 
you know, at night, like it did for me after the kids were in bed or on Saturday mornings for a couple of hours before everybody's really up. But uh, again, I think it's just, it's a matter of scheduling it so that you don't throw your life out of balance by focusing on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. Great advice there. Let's be honest, no matter what you're working on, if you're the organizer and you've got to get your team engaged, it can be hard to run a meeting, get that team involved, assign next steps in a place where your teammates want to participate. But that's what Miro helps you do. Miro is the visual collaboration platform that helps you run effective, engaging, and actionable retrospectives. Miro helps you keep your team engaged and accountable while identifying and solving hurdles together. And we get it. The same issues can pop up over and over, but Miro makes sure that your team members' voices are heard. This allows you to innovate faster, you can feel stronger, and from project to project, they're able to express their ideas. Let's face it, not everyone likes to write, but in Miro, you can share images and videos and stickies and graphs. Your teammates can express their ideas in their own way. There are hundreds of templates and activities to help you mix things up also, keep it interesting from week to week, and there are great ways to summarize notes from a retro with AI capabilities that can deliver key themes in seconds. So instead of taking hours to review, you're able to pull out consistent themes in record time. So whether you work in product design, engineering, UX, agile, or marketing, bring your team together on Miro. Your first three Miro boards are free when you sign up today at Miro.com. That's three free boards at M-I-R-O.com. Still in search for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And in the minute I've been talking to you. 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. Get unparalleled access to job seekers and over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data and an extended reach through Glassdoor. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash to-do list terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed one of the things that a lot of people really admire about your writing style that you things you've shared basically in your blog and else as well in your podcast has been just your past failures and that that's the true kind of source of how you've learned by experience and i wanted to ask you do you have have you had any major productivity failure in the past or maybe a season where you felt like a failure when it came to productivity and maybe share how you overcame that? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, somebody said to me the other day, they said, man, you're so disciplined. How do you, I said, you know, I'm really not. I mean, I think the reason I talk a lot about productivity is because most of the time I don't feel that productive. I go through the same things that most people go through where I get stuck, uh, like writer's block. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where I can't write blog posts, you know, and, and now, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, it's my living. This is how I make a, a livelihood now is writing for my blog. And there have been times when I would have several unproductive days where I just couldn't get it going. And I, I 
like to believe that I could just sit down and make myself do it. But for whatever reason, you know, I had to kind of work through the emotional stuff and get refocused and get productive again. But I feel like this is something, Eric, that I'm fighting constantly. Um, I'm also distracted by gadgets. You know, I love new software. I'd rather try out a new piece of software for task management than actually go through the mundane work of making sure my to-do list is queued up for today and that I'm managing through it. It's, it's just easy to do. So I, you know, I have to work to stay focused. And that's why this whole thing that I'm doing now of just trying to get still in the morning first and making sure that I make first things first uh, has been so important for me. Awesome. Which reminds me, I just finished this morning is on my walk to work listening to what the internet, your recent episode, uh, what the internet has been doing to our brains. That's and, scary. Yeah, it's very scary. It's very fa- That's one of the most fascinating things to me is just how the technology is not just a tool, but it also can be a, a double-edged sword, if you will, Yeah, which is crazy. But also then you wrote recently a blog post, which was kind of born out of your vacation time, which was just the the unplugging from tech. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know, one of the things that Gail and I got into this last year, I mean, we're always into health things as well. We're always trying to, you know, achieve a greater level of health and uh, keep ourselves really fit so that we have the energy we need to do the things that we want to accomplish. So one of the things that we did was a detox uh, earlier this year where we just, we basically went on a juice fast and just kind of, you know, let the, the junk that we'd accumulated in our bodies flow out of it, which was enormously helpful. Well, then I started thinking as I was going through this really busy time this spring and I was looking forward to a vacation, I wanted to do what we did last year when we went on a sabbatical, which was to go through a digital detox and completely unplug from the internet because I think it assails us in ways that we soon become unconscious of if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. So that we're just kind of mindless consumers of technology and not intentionally thinking through uh, where it's taking us in the process. And it sounds odd for me because I'm such a, uh, an advocate of social media, but to step away from that. And I can tell you it, what was really interesting was like the first 24 hours, you know, I'm compulsively checking my phone, even though I had deleted from my iPhone, Hootsuite, Facebook, you know, every social media app, Google Plus, there was nothing to check. I turned off my email accounts. So I, I was really serious about this, but I still found myself like at a red light grabbing my phone and holding it up and starting to check and going, oh, wait a second, there's nothing there, which just reinforced to me how ingrained this had become in, in kind of my mental framework and really in my, um, in my body almost. You know, my, part of my physiology now was just sort of this compulsive checking. But after about 24 hours, that died down, and it was wonderful. You don't realize what an environment of noise you're operating in until suddenly it goes away. And I, I said this in my blog, but it's like, you know, if you're in a noisy restaurant and uh, the volume keeps getting louder because it gets more crowded as the, the night wears on and, and you notice yourself getting a little bit stressed, but it's not really at the conscious level yet. And then you step out of the restaurant into a quiet evening and you go, wow, that was really loud in there. Well, that's kind of the experience I had on my vacation. Yeah. I've, I've had that nervous twitch happen for myself as well. I've done it about twice now where I've done a, a full week unplugging. Actually, one Christmas break, I did it for about two to three weeks 
Wow. Which was insane. I, I allowed email. I allowed one check in the morning and in the evening to see if there was any kind of a, you know, hey, your bank account's been hacked or something like that, kind of an email. But yeah. other than that, just stayed completely off. But yeah, I did the deleting the apps off the the phone as well. And it's it's kind of like a phantom pain, you know, phantom limb pain or something. That's a perfect way. So. Yeah. The thing I noticed, though, that if you're going to be successful at that, you've got to prepare for it. You just can't suddenly decide, yeah. hey, I'm going to unplug today. You know, I had to set it all up. I had to get clear with my uh, business associates, you know, with the people I work with, what was going to happen, give them the authority, set up my out of office, uh, um, what do you call them, announcements or your message. And then I made an announcement on my blog, too, to kind of set everybody's expectations that I wasn't going to be responding. Well, not to bash technology, we'd also like to praise it a little bit or, or at least have some fun with it. Can sure. you share me? I know you're a through and through pretty much Mac or Apple enthusiast, as I am. As am I. What apps are you using? Like on your Mac, your iPhone, your, do you have an iPad? I do, but okay. I don't I rarely use it. Yeah. I keep thinking I'm going to use it, but it's sitting there on the desk. It hadn't been touched in probably a week. I've just got, I've just recently gotten way back into mine for some reason. And I, th- I think really? it's just the, the interchangeable. Like it's it's a lot of different things all at once. Like if I'm if I happen to be somewhere in a meeting, I needed something smaller. I guess it's because you know what I would guess that's because you have a MacBook Air, right? Yes, exactly. That's probably it, it fits that niche between between the iPad or the MacBook Air. If you've got that lighter, more portable, but still very robust uh, computing device, you don't really need to have you know a desktop and a phone with you too. So yeah, no, that's that's what I found. Yeah. So, but what, what go-to apps, like what are your apps you find you open up the most as far as either productivity or social media on any of your Macs or your, your iPhone? Well, I actually use an application called Start Upizer, Start Upizer 2, which is an application that loads all of my favorite apps when I start. And I know you can do that all, already in the, uh, the account information in, in a Mac but this gives you a lot more control. So if I, would, if I don't want to start with all these apps, I can hold down like the control key and it will just stop com- or start completely uh, empty, which is great. But here's some of the apps that I load there. Um, I always load Apple Mail and I've tried a plethora of mail applications looking for that additional edge. You know, I've tried Mailplane and I've tried Postbox and, you know, I've tried all of them that are out there. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to mail. Um, I also use Hootsuite. But I use I, I run a lot of uh, browser applications in their own separate app window using a program called Fluid App. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you can actually create any browser-based um, program into its own separate application, which I really like. So I, I run Hootsuite that way, and I also uh, run uh, Workflowy that way. That's a great tool. And that's a great tool, and I you know I go through task managers like, you know, people go through socks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the one I'm currently on right now. Evernote, that's been, you know, that's one of my total go-to applications. And I've used that uh, for several years now. Keynote, you know, is my presentation tool. But I also use it for web design and anything graphic. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's oh, pretty it, much a toolkit for any kind of presentation slash visual representation on a Mac. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. Uh, I mentioned earlier day one for journaling, but the, the sort of the comparable thing, I write everything today, not in, not in Evernote, which I did at one time, but I find it too distracting for writing. So I write everything now in Byword. You familiar with that app? Yes, I love Byword as well. Man, it's great. And, and the thing about it, if you like Byword and if you use Markdown language, and we may be getting too technical here, but day one also uses Markdown. And that's become my second kind of second nature for me in terms of formatting text. So 
And then I use Google Chrome for my browser. Yeah. Yeah. Day one and uh, Byword are recent, well, within the past, say, month, have been new converts to my toolkit. And let's see. Do you use Pathfinder? Now, what does that do? That replaces Finder. Really? Oh, it's awesome. I have not heard about that. Yeah, it gives you a ton of additional capabilities. I've been using this for a couple of years, but it allows you to open multiple tabs in a window. Okay, I think I'm using something similar called Total Finder. Yeah, yeah, I think that is similar, actually. Okay. Um, I know that you have, let's go revisit something you said we could talk about, which was your whole creating your ideal week. And let's see, do you have a month one or a year one? Is it, is all three of those or? I I don't do a month one, um, although that's a valid idea and I know people that do that, but I do an annual one and I do a weekly one. I think you have those documents actually available on your blog. Is that right? I do. If you go to those blog posts and search for them. Okay. uh, I think it's called just Ideal Week. If you search for that, it'll come up. Okay. Yeah. And And I'll have all this in the show notes. Yeah. Okay, good. Then another one is the annual time block. Walk me through those. Like, how would you use those documents? Well, basically what the Ideal Week says is, okay, look, if I had my Ideal Week and I was designing from scratch, how would I like it to look? And one of the things I was taught by a business coach years ago at Building Champions, which is a great coaching company was the idea of using daily themes. So for different days of the week, I will have themes. So for example, Monday and Tuesday is basically my time to create my blog posts and my podcast. So that's Monday and Tuesday. I don't take any calls. I don't take any appointments. I get in that creative space and just stay focused on that. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday are my days for special projects. Now, again, this is going to look different for everybody depending on Uh, what your responsibilities are. When I was a CEO, my ideal week looked very different than this. But Wednesday and Thursdays might be for media interviews. Um, It could be for creating a new course that we're going to sell online. It could be for working on a book, Uh, something that's not my blog posts or my podcast. So that's Wednesday and Thursday. Then Fridays are my days for appointments now. And so we've tried to cram everything that's an appointment uh, into Fridays. Cause I figure like if I'm going to get interrupted once and get into that flow and kind of that headspace, um, I do it. Then Saturdays are for family. Sundays are for church. So those are kind of the thematic designations. Then that's kind of the, the vertical matrix, if you will. Uh, if you look at the document, it'll make more sense, but then kind of the horizontal part of it that goes across every day is more related to times, but that's also th- so, uh, them- thematic. So for me from five to eight 30 in the morning is just kind of my time to work on my own personal development, exercise, that type of thing. And then my, my mornings are my more creative time, afternoons. Of course, I take a nap every day, too, for about 20 minutes. That's usually right after lunch. Uh, then my evenings are time for my family. And so you just design this, and it's an Excel spreadsheet that uh, people will be able to get to through the link you're going to give. But you can just kind of design it any way you want. Then once you've got that, and this is the beauty part of it, I mean, no work, no week is going to be exactly like you've designed your ideal week or very few will be. But what you do is you uh, take that ideal week, share it with your assistant if you have one or your staff if you have, have one and enroll them in cooperating with you to make it happen. Because if you're fighting your own staff or the people that are closest to you with your ideal week, they can sabotage it if they want to. Oh, it's an excellent point. And so you got to get there. You got to enlist them in helping you to stick to that. Yeah. You're basically priming their expectations of you. That's exactly right. And, and you know what? I am not very good at saying no. 
So if somebody will come to me on my own team and say, Hey, look, I know, you know, you're not supposed to be doing appointments on a Wednesday, but could we go ahead and make an exception? I'm probably going to say, yes, I don't like that. And so I want to say to them on the front end, please don't do this to me. Oh yeah. You know, I, I need your help. I, it's better for all of us. If I stay focused on what I've got here on this, uh, ideal week. And again, I just want to say, I understand that most people will not live this on a weekly basis. You're going to have interruptions and that's okay. But I'm going to tell you this, Eric, it goes a lot better when you have a plan, a lot better than if you just try to fly by the seat of your pants and let somebody else control your calendar and let their ideal week for you, you know, sort of impinge on you. It reminds me of the whole thing about you, you write down your goals because right, there's just something magic about writing them down. Yes. And so then you're going to operate a much higher level. You know, you may be operating at about 25% of getting the stuff that you need to get done done. But if you, you know, you plan the week, you'll find you're at least, if it, if it at least only gets you past 50% and then with practice, you get, get up to say 75 or higher. Yeah, that's exactly right. Great. I would be remiss if I did not ask you, how do you do kind of your daily routine with your social media? Since that's one of the things I work on as my day job. Well, I, I guess a couple of things. One is I'm uh, intentional. As I said, when I get back from my exercise and I'm still trying to cool down, that's a great time for me to j kind of jump on. And I don't want it to interrupt in me before that because I really want to give attention to thinking and planning and being intentional with my, my thought. What I do is I, I subscribe to a bunch of blogs, about 200. So I go to my RSS feeder uh, reader first and I'm going through the blogs and I'm finding things that are, are of note. In fact, I, I've sometimes said I'm foraging for my tribe. I'm trying to find food, things that I think my tribe, my, the people that follow me will find useful. And I use an application called Buffer App which I've heard you talk about yep. I think, on um, Cliff's show. Yes. And I love it. That really changed my life. Um, so I, I'm constantly queuing up articles for the whole day. My goal is to get all my tweets for the day, about 13 or 14 of them, uh, scheduled out for the day. So, and this happens in about a 30-minute uh, period. Then what I'll do is I will, I will check. Um, I don't usually do Facebook right then. I'm usually, that's just usually a Twitter thing and a reading thing. But then throughout the day, as I take a break, you know, I'll just check in on Twitter and I do not get sucked into it. I'm only going to check it for a few minutes. Just take a break, see if anybody's asking anything, respond to it. And then towards the end of the day, I get a little more serious about it too. And then I'll really go in and make sure all the comments have been addressed uh, on, my, on my website. But I have a great group of community leaders that are addressing the comments all, all day long so people aren't left um, with questions that are unanswered. Great. So then you have sometimes set aside where you, you, you mentioned it earlier, where you're listening to podcasts while you're running. I got to ask, since you do a podcast now and I'm finally doing my own solo podcast, what are some of the go-to podcasts that you can suggest for listeners out there? Well, let me just look at my list here. I'm going to pull up. I use Downcast as the app on my iPhone. Um, I can tell you that I listen to Cliff's every week. And I've told Cliff this on, on the phone before, but the reason I like his is not as much for the podcast information, which is terrific, but I just find him so inspirational. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're, you're referring to Podcast Answer Man, right? Podcast Answer Man. Okay. Yeah, I just, I love that. I listen to Entree Leadership. Mm -hmm. Another great one. Another one uh, that's especially good about that is just for small business people, which I am now, is helpful. Um, I listen to Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income. Mm -hmm. Love that one. Andy Stanley must listening to me every week. His new podcast is actually called Your Move with Andy Stanley. I have not heard of that one yet. I'm going to have to check that out. Oh, it's, it's awesome. 
And I also listen to Joel Osteen every week. Okay. I just find great positive encouragement there. You know, I don't always agree with everything he says, but nobody else is as positive and upbeat as he is. And then I listen to Dan Miller also. Oh, yeah. Good stuff there, too. So those are kind of, I actually just thinned out my podcast list recently, but that's, that's what's still in it. That's a really good list to start with, I would say, for anybody out there who's looking for a good mix of, of leadership and productivity and platform. Yeah, good. So, well, I guess I would just want to ask one last question in closing, which is what, would, what advice would you give to somebody who just already flat out feels overwhelmed, feels like they can't get anything done and already have too much on their plate? What would you say to them about how to start getting a handle on it? This is going to, I'm going I'm to actually make two suggestions. Can I do two? Sure. Uh, and this is going to be like counterintuitive, but here's my two suggestions. Number one, take a look at your rest. Are you getting enough sleep? Because some, one of the reasons we sometimes feel overwhelmed is because we're not getting enough rest and everything begins to shut down, including our brains, when we're not well rested and everything gets amplified and not in a good way when we're not rested. So try to figure out how to get more sleep. You know, and, and I'm not talking about sleeping all the time, but I, I know I need seven hours. And if I get less than seven hours, it's a problem. So that's number one. Number two is if you can possibly start the day doing nothing. It's probably the only time all day you'll ever do this. Most people don't have this kind of space in their lives. If you want to read a good book on it, and, and again, it's a book I can't endorse everything, but I loved this one chapter. Martha Beck has a book called The Joy Diet. And chapter one is called, and she talks about these different components of the diet. Chapter one, the first part of the diet is nothing. She calls it nothing doing. And to just sit and be still because you get more clarity and more energy from that than about anything I could possibly recommend. That's a really good point. Stillness, yeah. solitude. You know, those are just things that in our culture are over communicated, always on culture are just very, very rare. And if you go back through all the ancient wisdom literature, you know, whether it's the Bible or wherever, they all talk about solitude and the importance of stillness. And I didn't believe it for years, but I am a total convert now. The moments that I've been able to, to schedule that and do it have been some of the best points in time of my life. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. But I'll tell you what, if, if for me at least, if I try to schedule it in the day, it isn't going to happen. It's got to be first thing because there's not too many people I know that are up at five o'clock. I'm not going to get a phone call or get pinged by very many people that early in the morning. So it's just kind of strategically, for me at least, it's the best time of day to do it. Start the day right. Well, that about concludes our interview. I would like to thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks, Eric. And just tell me, tell the listeners where they can find you. Yeah, the best place to find me is at michaelhyatt.com, and there's links there to everything else. But uh, as you mentioned, I also have the podcast, This Is Your Life, but there's a link there, or you can find it in iTunes. And I'll have all this in the show notes, and we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, that ends another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, I know that if you're like me, when that half hour of this episode was done, you wanted to go immediately back and listen to it over again, didn't you? I know I did, and I lived it the first time. I want to say a special thanks again to Michael Hyatt for agreeing to be interviewed. And again, if you were not familiar with Michael up to this point, you owe it to yourself to go to subscribe to michaelhyatt.com, as well as This Is Your Life, his podcast in iTunes. 
Speaking of iTunes, if you're liking this show, please go subscribe. We would love it if you would tweet out, I just heard a great episode of Beyond the To-Do List podcast with Michael Hyatt. We would also love it if you'd go give us some favorable iTunes reviews. Thanks again, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.